Yes. <laughs> wow. In the black community, we were just such a strong community. Mm-hmm. And it was just full of awards. Yes. And when the schools were integrated, where do you think the students from Columbus High went to? Right. Carver High. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Because they wanted our reputation. Oh, my God, really? Yes. Yeah. Wait. So the white students went to yes Carver in the early days yeah. of integration they went to Carver High School they bust white kids to our high school this is something we do not hear and they fired all the black teachers and they fired all absolutely yeah in that's that part right I did know. in 1968 they they fired wow. 38,000 black stu- teachers and 89 percent of black principals around the south yeah. They gutted the counterculture of education because the think tanks had identified it as a stronghold of black survival. Did you get this? Is it saving? It's just... Good. We're going to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, you, so you know that story. I've, I've heard part of that story. Yes. I, I heard that when, when integration happened, part of the result of that was the, the elimination of redundancy in the teaching ranks but the redundancy was always the African-American redundant. The African-American teachers were, redundant. were considered redundant. Yes, I yeah. did a study of our yearbook and Columbus High's yearbook. Mm-hmm. 95% of our teachers had master's degrees from places like Columbia, New York University, Tuskegee, Atlanta University. White teachers barely had a BA degree. That's right. You can check it out. Oh, I believe it. I mean, we're seeing I it believe. now where very, very qualified minorities and women are being passed over right. by ignorant-ass white men. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's what was happening in the South. And so in order to be credentialed as a black teacher, you had to constantly upgrade your credentials. And black teachers went to summer school every summer. My black teacher went to Columbia University every summer with Teachers College. That's where she got her master's really? degree. Absolutely. Wow. And my, my math teacher got his master's degree from Stanford. And another one got it from Seton Hall. This is just, it's unknown. That's why I don't feel inferior to anyone. Yeah. I don't feel superior, but I don't ever feel inferior. inferior yeah. I, don't, I don't feel inferior, excuse me, in the presence of a white man or a white woman or even... There's nobody that I feel inferior to. And it's not because I'm some special person. It's because this was drummed into me from childhood. Otherwise, I couldn't have survived in in life to come where I've come. With all of what I faced as a black woman, I would be broken and beaten. I wouldn't have a modicum of dignity. And you you had people show you the way. Well, I had, yeah, and look at my family, five children. Got to understand this. There were five children in my family. We were not an exceptional family. Two of my brothers are lawyers. One brother was in the state legislature in Alabama. My sister was a philanthropist who gave away thousands and thousands of dollars to Haiti. She's a nurse and she died. My other brother was a social worker. And we were just an ordinary black family. Five children with all graduate degrees. Exactly. That's, I mean, that, that's my family too, but again, we're Northern and our imagination of the South is that that's not possible. But what did you South. think were happening in Spelman, Morehouse, and Tuskegee? Well. That's the, that's <laughs> the fragmentation of reality. That's exactly it. 
that's the frag. It's there is no logic to it. There's, There's no, no logic. logic. There's no logic. It is. Tougaloo, what do you think was happening? What do you think Joyce Latner came it's out of? It's a gap in the narratives. These stories have not been told. Is it No, you don't have to tell the story if you know black colleges existed. It's a lack of imagination to ask that you've been so pruned into seeing the world through white eyes. That's it. That the logic that if, if you've got all these black schools, they must be producing a black bourgeoisie. So, so when white peasants came over from England, from Europe, we had a black bourgeoisie that had been formed in the 1880s. Yeah. In the South. The South had a strong mm-hmm. it had, because segregation required us to produce doctors, lawyers, undertaker folk, business people. We had a strong black bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we, who do you think took care of us, white doctors? No, they wouldn't touch our bodies. That's right. That's right. Well, what do you think fix my teeth? My dentist. Black dentist. But the, I'm different. The other thing is, is that growing up in Columbus, Georgia, it was a very schizophrenic town because my father was in the Army, so I went out to Fort Benning, and Fort Benning was wholly integrated, five mm-hmm. miles away from Columbus. Then you come back into a segregated society wow. after going to a hospital that was wholly integrated and doctors that were wholly integrated because Truman desegregated the army in the 1940s or 50s. So I grew up in a in in a, a schizophrenic environment yeah. of an integrated environment plus a segregated one. Wow. I think I'm honestly I think I'm just realizing how much so you said during the during our conversation um, that the place where you struggle is in this in the classism. Yes. And I think that I mean, I just think that it's real. Like, the struggle is real, and I think the struggle in me is the reality that I soaked in white community so long. And not just white community, but sociologically white evangelical community that sets up its missionary projects in order to go save black people. Yes. Right? So black people black black people in the imagination— It wasn't just to save us, but to kill us. Who do you think were the Klan's people? They came out of white evangelical churches. No, that's exactly right. Although they never said that to me, right? Like when I was around them. But it's true. It is really. That's absolutely true. Killed us in the south. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, what the way I was shaped by them was was to believe that to be a good Christian is to save. The black. So you go and you move in and you become, uh, you become. Uh, That's the dissonance in white reality. The, yeah. the, 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 the reality of white goodness and innocence. Right. When in fact, the story is quite differently. Different if you grew up in the South. Who do you think stood at the front doors of churches and wouldn't let us come in to worship That's during exactly the civil right. rights movement? White evangelicals. White, white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And who do you think blew up those little girls in Birmingham? White, White evangelicals. evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Who do you think killed, uh, beat Fen Hamer so bad in jail and beat her on her vagina until she could barely stand up? White evangelicals. Probably a white deacon. Right. So, Probably, yes. So, of course, they're going to make themselves the missionaries. But what about the other part of the story? And, and so I'm not shocked with the conservative evangelicals 
They come out of a Southern tradition tied into the Southern strategy. I'm just more and more convinced that we are so soaked as a society in white supremacy that we don't even know how deeply it is ingrained. And I'm just realizing right now how deeply it is in me. Well, I think that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. That's called enlightenment. And, and, and I think that that's what we all hear. That's what movement does. It calls on all of us not only to critique the world, but to critique ourselves. Right. When you say anti-racism, that assumes that you are standing over and against other people and not looking at yourselves. And so I, don't, I, so I think that that's, I don't like self-righteous movements that, that judge other people as being un, non-redeemable mm. and that it doesn't look at our own selves and the taint that we bear. Mm. I think that's dangerous. Nobody is, 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 is saved from the imprint, the, from the powerful imprint of the empire. None of us are. That is so for real. No matter how good we try to be, it's hard to rise above culture. So what if we were to build a compassionate movement? Hmm. What if we were to invite people to their highest selves well, instead of always pointing out their failures? What if we were to pull the threads of their history together to let them find Ann Brayton, let them find Virginia Dorr, and let them find Bob Zellner, and let them find the hope in their history that says that they have choices, and those choices are not abstract. Mm-hmm. It's in their stories, mm-hmm. that they don't have to choose white supremacy, that there's another thread in their stories that they can choose. There's another But the way. empire doesn't tell them that because they don't want them to know that. They don't want them to touch that goodness. I'm just so... I feel like I've been on a journey... Yes. of discovery, of discovering how, and really the journey has been decades now, but it's been a journey of discovery of how much, um, how much the white church in America holds the heartbeat of empire. Oh, yes. God and country. That says yeah. it all. Yeah. And, and, and And I soaked in that. And see... God and country is an empire construct. To locate God within empire is, a, is an imperial construct. Mm-hmm. When John Winthorpe, the Puritan, That's exactly Puritan right. said, come let us build a city up on the hill that would glorify God, he was carving out the imperial project. And who repeated it in our lifetime? Ronald Reagan would say it all the time. And Manifest Destiny yes, is what slaughtered millions. Joshua establishes the first imperial project. And it says to us that even though we might have become slave, we had once were enslaved, that there's a human impulse to do, for, to, do to people what has been done for us, wow. to us. And Joshua is not to be followed. Joshua is to be critiqued and to be looked at, at the human uh, universal empire to become just like the very people whom we had tried to escape from. That's Joshua's story. He goes out, he invades the town, and he does it all in the name of God, which now reiterates itself in the Zionist project. Joshua is, is a story not to act like Joshua, 
but to tell us what was wrong with Joshua. <sighs> well, I honestly feel like crying. Why? Because that should be in liberating. a good way, in a good way. It's no, for real. Like, I honestly feel like this, this is what is wrong with the hermeneutic of whiteness. Right. Why would we as a with, people of color or, or white person with good conscience, why would we believe that it was all right for Joshua to go and take other people's lands and say that God told him to do that. I, I, you know, honestly, I don't know, but it's what we were taught. So it's what we preach and it's what, although I don't preach it. I, I, I literally, somebody asked me that question like last week. Well, what do you say about this? What do you say about the land of Canaan, you know, and taking the land? And I, and I say, what I said to them was, you know what? I don't have an answer for that, but I'll tell you what, it really will be one of the first questions I ask God when I get to heaven. But you, you kind of just, wait I don't have to wait. Heaven. You just answered it. Colonialism gives us the answer mm. that you cannot take, I mean, because what you're really saying is that God only loves a certain people and that God didn't love the Canaanites, that God, that God has favorites, that God is a tribal God and That's not right. a universal God. Mm-hmm. And if you tribalize God, then you tri- then you create tribalism in people, and then you create a divine reason for why you can step over them. And so, and so, as though for those of us who want to do the good gospel, yeah, we have to really re- critique the, the not only the gospel but Hebrew scripture, which lays out the cornerstone for white supremacy by saying a chosen people. If you have a chosen people, you have a chosen class. And then you come back to having a chosen people. And then you have justification for all kinds of evil. Right. And it lays out white supremacy is predicated on purity, that whiteness is the purest of all people. Well, that's for and another that's podcast, another time. Yes. We are going to have that conversation. We're going to have that. I want that. you to think about it, though, because I yeah. really do think that, and then I'll go, I think it's important that once we say that we have been called, my mother used to say to me all the time, Ruby, if you do this work in the name of God, you got to study to show thyself worthy. Mm-hmm. That you cannot spread the blanket of oppression. You, I mean, you must be able to look at Joshua and mm-hmm. say, my God, what is the meaning of this story? Was it all right for him to, for the, for the Israelites to rape women? In Canaan? No. No. I'm clear on that. Okay, good. 